Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Escape. Uh, we have an excellent episode for you today. We are joined by John Robertson, uh, who runs mapsofthemind.com. Uh, we're going to be discussing psychedelics and that whole community. Uh, he does have a online seminar running uh, starting November 1st, so you can go sign up and check that out at his website, mapsofthemind.com. And uh, before we get started here, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Tons of new stuff up there. Rick Strassman, Matthew Clark, Laird Scranton, uh, the Megalith Hunter, Laura, and just tons of other people. So go check that out if you haven't already. We're also on Discord if you want to find us on there and chat. Uh, head on over to indrasweb.org. This is a social media platform we created to connect open minds. It is live. Head on over there, sign up for a profile, and start to speculate, hypothesize, and theorize on all the subjects we talk about on the show. And if you are interested, uh, at the end of the month, we are giving away this beautiful Mindscape t-shirt. And uh, if you want to enter to win, all you have to do is go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, take a screenshot of it, and email that to mindescapepodcast at gmail.com, and that will enter you to win. Uh, And also, if you're interested, uh, we've created some pretty amazing, I should say I've created some pretty amazing designs for our Tee Public store. Even Maurice has given his uh, thumbs up of approval of some of the designs. So uh, we put a little time into it. There's a bunch of options on there now. People have been begging us to get some merch stuff going in the past. So now we have some awesome designs that are, uh, you know, insider, you know, inside jokes and stuff that happens on the show and, uh, all that kind of stuff. So head on over there. I have the link down below the video if you are interested in any of that. So, uh, but welcome on the show, John, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to come on and speak with the two of you. Yeah, I know we've sure. gone back and forth a little bit uh, uh, recently, and uh, you told me you were doing this seminar and everything, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a perfect time to do something like this, obviously, you know, everything the way it is, uh, but I see I see a lot of these seminars, and I think some of them uh, kind of miss the mark in some ways, but I, I was looking at your itinerary on the your website, and it seems like you have a good setup, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like attention to detail on certain topics, which I liked, and it branches off into a bunch of different things, and you kind of cover a lot of topics. So I really appreciated that about it. Thank you. Yeah, that's really nice of you to say. Um, yeah, I'm trying to make it really as as kind of comprehensive or as thorough as I can, and really pack as much as I can into it. And um, yeah, like you say, also I think that it's a good time really uh more people using psychedelics now um and yeah i guess that's due to um societal things changing um yeah more people 
using psychedelics so it's really to offer people a kind of structure for their use to really make the most of their experiences and uh, offer them an opportunity to connect with other people so yeah awesome so what you know how long have you been uh part of the psychedelic community or how long have you been partaking is it something you've been at for a while or is it something new to you yeah um i mean i've been partaking personally using psychedelics for uh 10 years now actually this year is kind of 10 year anniversary so it's also feels like a really cool time to do something like this and um but really getting uh involved in the community i think was about 2017 yeah 2017 is when i started engaging more i had a big change after my early experiences my first ones and then i didn't actually use psychedelics that much in the years directly afterwards um i was living overseas and a part of the reason really for that was i didn't have access but i'd already kind of gotten into I'd already been pulled down the consciousness awareness rabbit hole, you know, that many of us get pulled down when we first take psychedelics. And it's like, whoa, what, like, what is, what is awareness? What is reality? And how does my awareness shape reality? And so I'd been already pulled down that and that really led me to meditation. And so for those years, I kind of dove into a meditation practice and I took classes and went on retreats. And then I came back to psychedelics and uh, I think that that kind of background helped me a lot and that's why I'm also going to include mindfulness as a kind of foundation as part of the course but um, yeah it was really in 2017 when I had um, another uh, very significant experience for myself personally and that was when I really thought okay I really want to engage with the field and I really want to work in psychedelics and I really want this to be a big part of my life so I started volunteering at conferences going to more conferences reaching out with people over Twitter and that led to me working with other people and um, collaborating on projects and eventually I went out to Jamaica to work on a psychedelic retreat there and, uh, coming back to Europe then uh, co-founded a psychedelic retreat also a couple of years ago so yeah it's a, it's been about 10 years and about half of that really is now being more involved with other people in the space which which i really enjoy i find it to be super fulfilling and even coming on to your podcast and having these kind of conversations i really just i really enjoy connecting with other people who share that passion for psychedelics awesome do you have a specific compound that you like or you prefer more than others uh, or is it just kind of all over the board? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a nice question. I, for, for a long time, I had a, LSD was my favorite, I can say. And that was really because my more formative experiences were with that. Um, and yeah, that kind of had a, a special spot for me. Uh, I had a kind of special place in my heart. And I had um, some deep healing and transformational experiences. But I've, I've come also in the last uh, three 
years really to come to appreciate psilocybin more. And that's partially due to uh, work, really, uh, because it's like it's what I've worked with professionally in the retreats in Jamaica and also now in the last um, couple of years uh, with the psilocybin truffles legal in the Netherlands. So that's what we use. And I also dove into it a bit more and felt like I, I need to know this compound or I need to know this fungi better if I'm going to work with it more. So I also have been using it more and working with other people with it more. So now really actually psilocybin is probably my preferred. Um, and I've done a lot of experimentation across with the others around the board and had some amazing experiences. Uh, but those two, I would say, are the most significant and have been the most significant for me. Yeah. Awesome. So you're doing like uh, normal dosages, not just like micro dosing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a kind of believer in higher doses. Also, mm -hmm. um, again, that comes from personal experience because those have been the what have triggered the most powerful changes in my own life. And I know um, from many people I've heard of that microdosing seems to be a, has brought about many great benefits for a lot of people and it seems to work. So I think that's amazing and we don't all have to have the same approach. But from my own personal experience, I've experienced the most benefit from higher doses really. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Michael can agree with that one. Yeah, I mean, I personally, for me, if I'm going to do psilocybin, uh, I'd prefer it to be a higher dose. I just feel like I don't get enough out of it if it's like a microdose. Or, and I've tried uh, some years back doing little bits, you know, a few times a week or something like that. And uh, while it's intriguing, it just, like I said, it just doesn't have that same effect. In fact, I'd rather go months and months and months and just do, you know, three to five grams and sit in silence and in complete darkness and just meditate and try and uh, connect to, you know, whatever's out there, if there is anything out there, uh, or just connect to myself, I guess, is uh, how some people look at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like there's the most benefit in that. And I feel like even in those spaces of like deep meditation in that space, even memories seem to be clearer and more reliable, if that makes sense. Like even your own memory, like looking back, uh, seems to, um, I don't even know how to, how to explain it, but it just seems like when you think of your memory now, of something that happened, I don't know, uh, five, 10 years ago, it seems kind of unreliable as opposed to now, if I were to do it, uh, psilocybin like a high dose and just sit there in darkness and meditate that memory is a lot more clear and vivid and I don't know if it's my memory um, piecing that together or if it's specifically um, more of what actually has happened or happened in that moment I don't know mm -hmm. yeah that makes total sense to me I think yeah just generally kind of well, I don't know if it's maybe connected to the imagination also, but mm. I also find with psychedelics, 
imagination is much more vivid and almost more tangible and if there's something that comes to mind and i'm thinking about something or seeing some images it's brought to life a lot more yeah so um i yeah i think that's actually something i'd like to try more of the silent darkness i haven't actually explored that uh but that's yeah that's something i'd like to try and i've been using these float tanks uh recently uh without psychedelics but i think that would be really interesting actually to explore and um i've never and, yeah, done a saying, float tank if you uh, maurice yeah my girlfriend it. got me one for my birthday last year it was sweet and then i was like i'm gonna start doing these and then i uh i didn't follow through i need to get back she didn't in get the, you a float tank she got you she got me access and, yeah yeah so mm-hmm. say, float I put that too. Like, in... Yeah, they're like 30k, right, or 40k <laughs> for a float tank. I don't yeah, know. I'm... Actually, they must be expensive. Yeah, I thought that when you said you, I was like, what? And then I was like, okay, no, <laughs> that, that, obviously, that couldn't be. You got me a float, <laughs> not a tank. <laughs> there you go. There yeah, you go. I um, I I I bought like upfront because also it's it's not that cheap. So I bought like a multi-pass ticket. Then you also get discount. And then yeah. if you've paid up front, you kind of like have the impetus to go because it's like, okay, Absolutely. I've got these sessions booked. Um, Is it just float tanks yeah. in there? Because sometimes those places we had uh, Jack from the Trip Whip channel on, he was, said he used to work at a float tank. I don't know if he still does, but he worked at a float tank place where they had those like Ajna lights and like the Lucia lights, you know, those oh, psychedelic uh, inducing lights is there as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, actually, the place I'm, I'm going now, it's more like a spa place. Mm. They also have, yeah, like, massages. Right. Mm. Uh-huh. How was your experience with it, Maurice? It was pretty good. I uh, The guy offered me, he said, like, you could leave the lights on or whatever. I turned all the lights off and turned mm. the, the music off. And, um, yeah, it was a pretty good experience. I, I, I flew to Miami that day so like i didn't have a lot of food in my stomach and i wasn't like feeling like a hundred percent good but yeah i had a good experience i drifted off for a little bit and um i I really want to do it again though i think the more you do it the better it will become yeah i think so uh that's uh when you said i flew then i thought you were going to say like i flew to mars when i was in that tank or something <laughs> that would have been awesome <laughs> um, i think edibles uh, or maybe like a, that would be a good for like a light dose of mushrooms i mean i guess you could do a heavy dose too but i think a light dose or like an edible or something would be perfect for that mm-hmm. yeah maybe dip the toes in and build up to it um yeah. but yeah that's yeah that's cool you went with the darkness and with the music off because the place i go they have options um but i think it's nice when it's they like there's like five minutes where there's some lights in there and they play like some soft music to kind of ease you in and then the kind of lights fade down and then the music just stops and then you're just in pitch black and then it's just total darkness and you're just there with your with yourself with your thoughts with your breath and sometimes i can hear my heart beating um and yeah i think uh, i think it's good i think it's also kind of a nice kind of antidote to being in a city you know with so much stimulation and so much sensory input to then you kind of just going into this tank where there's nothing 
you're just yeah, purely absolutely. with yourself. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah, there's something about that stillness um, in darkness. And yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking about psychedelics, but, you know, I can achieve some pretty deep states just being in like a, the darkness laying on a couch or a, a bed and closing my eyes and meditating, maybe turning on a frequency or something like that. But uh, um, yeah, can they pipe sound into the flown tanks? Like if you had like a 528 hertz or some sort of binaural beat or something like that? Mm. Yeah, I actually asked the place where I do it and they, because they say, oh, there's sound. do you want sound or do you not? And uh, at the moment, they've just got a set program. So you can just have ocean waves, which is like the thing they have in there. I think it's due to the kind of comp the type of float tank they have or the one that it's made by. Um, but yeah, you can basically have ocean waves or nothing as it is. But uh, the lady there, she said they're kind of working on it like uh, mm. to be kind of try and be able to because i was thinking it would also be kind of cool maybe just to like listen to some music or to listen to an album to like uh yeah, what they should yeah. do is have a, some sort of um uh bluetooth scenario speaker set up so you can the whoever's going in can just connect their own phone to the bluetooth on that specific float tank and then... yeah that'd be sweet yeah yeah that would be awesome um so back to the psychedelic stuff. So you you were initially kind of ingrained with LSD. You felt like that was your your uh, your connection, I guess. I, I you know, like some people say they have like a um you know, what animal would they be or what animal do they feel most akin mm -hmm. to or something like that. And I always ask people that having to do with psychedelics. I feel like each person, even though people might try a bunch of different things or have um a lots of different experiences and I'm sure a lot of them are profound. I feel like most people do prefer certain compounds over uh, other compounds, usually one and sp specifically, I know for me, psilocybin and I've talked about this before is almost like going home. It's this like home feeling to me. It's very comfortable. It's a space I can identify with, but not everybody likes that. Some people don't like the body buzz of it. Some people prefer the headiness of the LSD or, mm -hmm. um, you know, some people prefer the blast off of the DMT or the weirdness of salvia or whatever it is. Uh, usually, if you That's prefer how... if you prefer salvia, usually you're you're a little <laughs> you're a weirdo. Out there. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, was gonna say who who and I, do, I have salvia. tried that a decent amount. I do, I do know some people that do love it, so th those people do exist. Um, but wow. yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where uh, it's interesting. It's something I like to ask people because I feel like. Um, there is some sort of connection there. Um, mm -hmm. Do you yeah. do you feel now um, the same way about LSD as you did when you were, you know, kind of going at it a little bit harder back in the day? And um, uh, maybe not. It doesn't feel. I don't know. It's not so close. I mean. I I never really was going going at it that hard, I guess. Um, in my early days, I, I actually wanted to more, but it, I didn't have access, really. I didn't have connections. That I was able to get a hold of some, and I had a few experiences, and that kind of got me into psychedelics. And then it was like the universe 
pulled that away from me and was like we've we've given you something to yeah. kind of whet the appetite of your mind now like go with that for a while um so yeah uh, i mean i still have totally a, a soft spot for lsd because it's it really was introduced me into the psychedelic world and um it will it will always have that um place in my story and in my life uh but i don't i mean actually now when i really want to kind of recenter or to to come back to my center and to reorient myself my i i go to psilocybin now actually so that's kind of i guess taken taken the place of my my closest ally i mean i i think of psychedelics as allies for myself i find them to be like they're on my side and they want what's best for me and uh these days psilocybin is is my closest ally or it's my go-to maybe i should say mm. Mm. no i like that uh and of course that's my favorite compound so i appreciate the the sentiments there and i think that uh i don't know I think that there's just so many different compounds out there. I think it has to do probably with some sort of an imprint possibly early on. Like if you have certain experiences when you're younger, you know, even though you just mentioned LSD and it's kind of changed a little bit, I feel like most people I talk to, it's because they have a certain connection or relationship to that compound. It was one of the earlier ones they've done or one that they've had a profound experience with, you know, something like that. Um, And then some people just pick it because it's helped them the most or given them the best, uh, you know, insights and, um, into their own mind. So, uh, but what do you think in terms of what's the weirdest experience you've had? Like what, what was that like? Is that a, is that uh psilocybin or LSD or is that something else? That would be salvia. <laughs> be the common answer in this podcast. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the weirdest probably salvia or of the more classic psychedelics uh, would be DMT, um, the NN DMT. Um, yeah, I, I would say that was the most how i can say uh other like least relatable experience that like didn't seem to relate to any other experience that i had ever had um to that point like oh this is a totally different this is like way out there this mm. is like a different reality this is like something totally on a totally different order of magnitude and a different tier or depth of reality that i i'd never experienced before so yeah i would probably say of the classics dmt and salvia i haven't done it for many many years now um but that's also just been really weird yeah well what did about you, you any, guys did you have any entity experiences though uh, and actually actually not um yeah which i found to be notable um mm. because also i had heard about that before so you know sometimes maybe what you hear about sure before can flavor your experience and if you've heard mm. that people see entities and you think that you're supposed to then you're going to end up seeing them uh but i did not i did not encounter any entities in in the dmt verse i in the in the space i was in 
where there was a lot going on it it did feel like that was teeming with with life somehow or a life force but and it, i had a, a sense of like some kind of yeah some kind of life force but i didn't see aliens i didn't yeah. have a dialogue with any entities or anything like that it was more just like i was just in this space that was absolutely insane <laughs> was it just like fractals and colors kind of like a people describe like tryptamine palace or just uh or what was it because i mean i know i've never done dmt but i know the five meo usually get washed over by white light it's like hyper spacey uh, and NN is more like fractally colors and that kind of a, a thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of colors, or how I've described it is like colors that I'd never seen before. Mm. Like, you know, there's this spectrum of light and Some sort of Willy normally... Wonka effect. <laughs> <laughs> when he goes, when they go through the yeah. tunnel. This guy got the golden ticket, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, seeing seeing things I'd never seen before. Yeah, lots of bright colors. Somehow the space was kind of dark. Um like in like not dark as in like uh like um that kind of like dark as in like light right. dark. Um but it seemed to have kind of have a black backdrop, but then over over that there were shot through with brilliant, like really luminous and brilliant colors a little bit like your backdrop in fact on that Mm. on that side like loads of colors like this and just i mean the the very notable thing about it i guess was just the amount of information that i was receiving nothing was static also everything was moving all of the time and everything was continuously changing within the whole space so yeah it would have been kind of impossible to capture in a snapshot because it was continuously everything was always changing um and yeah just the amount of information also i I remember afterwards thinking like how a human brain isn't supposed to be able to receive this much information it's like it's just it was just like (laughs) I mean, at first, it's overwhelming. It's like, I can't, this is too much to take in. There's like so much going on here. Um, And yeah, I think early on in the experience, actually, I was was quite overwhelmed. There's actually a a part of that uh, that I I don't have any recollection of um, from that experience because I actually uh, filmed myself doing it i did it with a friend and we sat for each other we did it one after another and i I filmed myself i was really trying to kind of document the experience and we're taking notes about it afterwards um so uh yeah but there's a period of like two three minutes right at the beginning that i have that are unaccounted for and i think Mm -hmm. that was me be there's being like an information overload and um just not being able to take anything in and then i finally kind of came to terms with what i was seeing was a kind of finally able to kind of like comprehend a little bit and be like okay like just like breathe here and like what did that video look like around 
Can we get a copy? I, I actually cut yeah, to the I video. Wanted... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to make the trip report for this one. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, yeah, no, I think I actually lost lost the video. Um, but sure the video, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember. Actio looks pretty. It's it's a guy lying there, breathing deep. Um, it doesn't. It's not that crazy. It's yeah. like. did you say anything because i know some people like repeat phrases sometimes in and out um uh no i i think for the early part nothing and then i was breathing and um i actually i actually threw up a little bit when i came round, um and that was also really nice to have my friend sitting there for me because he was able to uh, sure. put like a bowl under under and like wipe away around my mouth so i could lie back and kind of be in that space juicy um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and i think the first thing i said maybe after five minutes was uh, uh can i swear yeah on this podcast yeah you can swear yeah i th- i think uh the, the the first thing that came out was the, uh holy shit this is just fucking insane um, <laughs> i think i think those were and the, are, the, we've the, been fired the, <laughs> <laughs> um i think those were yeah those were the first words that came out of my mouth as i was, was lying back so going was, in and- yeah, going in, I know i've talked to a few different people that say they get this like ringing in their ear like kind of as you're coming up, did you experience anything like that? Like a high pitch frequency or something? I, I didn't, but I've got to say my, my recollection cuts out pretty early on. Um, after I was, I was following McKenna's advice. I was listening to talks at the time and, you know, like you go for the third hit, you've got to push for the third hit. And, um, so, I mean, even after the second hit, it's true what he says is like, you do not feel like you would need any more like <laughs> things were getting absolutely crazy right um and i had to kind of hand over the 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 bong and the lighter to my friend to like hold it there for me while i was taking in the third hit um and then but then really my kind of memory goes offline very soon after that and only really comes back on about three minutes later when i kind of had, finally kind of came around and got a sense of like being in the space and like remembered that I had taken DMT mm. and was like oh okay like I've taken DMT like I'm in this space now like um, able to kind of orient myself a little bit um, so but no I don't I don't have any recollection of uh, ringing or a buzzing or anything mm. like that yeah I find that interesting in terms of like a, I mean everything Maurice, uh, Mr. Vibrations over there can testify or can testify to this, but, uh, you know, everything is pretty much just frequency and vibration. And I think that the interesting part of the people that say they've experienced that it almost seems like, uh, well, for, for one, you know, I'm not saying the pineal gland is at the center of this experience because now we know DMT is produced throughout all the brain and not just the pineal gland, but, they have done studies. There are these like little crystals that are found in the pineal gland. Um, that's similar to like how you keep your balance in your ears, like autoconia. Um, mm-hmm. so it's just, it, you know, there could be some sort of like piezoelectric pickup thing happening 
within your brain where you're picking up frequencies or you're altering a frequency and it's maybe altering your perception. And I was just curious in terms of you're mentioning all these colors and the backdrop and everything changing, constantly changing. And you have to wonder, could our perceptions be wired to make sense and create these patterns and this built-in pareidolia of the way that we look at the world? And maybe when you go into these altered states, you're actually seeing what really might be there, if that makes sense. Or like how... uh you know, the, the makeup of the universe kind of is like lift, like lifting the veil a bit and just seeing kind of the, the guts of how things work, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it was Huxley, although I don't think he originated the idea, but the kind of uh, everyday awareness is kind of like a reducing valve right. that, uh, that is kind of there, um, kind of for our, survival as like biological organisms like if we're in that with that mass of information all the time like as you're saying about like making sense that's hard for us as biological organisms to make sense of and also maybe that doesn't help us in terms of uh, our actual survival Hmm. um but but i'm totally open to that possibility that that is something of a yeah, behind the veil, as you say, or a deeper sense of reality. I mean, after that experience, something that came to mind for me was uh, Plato's Allegory of the Cave. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you're familiar with that. Okay, oh, yeah. of course oh, you yeah. are. The, whole, <laughs> the podcast might be based on that. Out of the Silly 220 question. episodes we've Silly done, it's question. probably been mentioned 150 of those episodes. <laughs> uh, but actually, I was actually going to mention a couple other philosophers, one being Heraclitus, mm. you never step in the same river twice, everything's in a constant state state of Mm. flux and change and nothing's ever the same and even parmenides who also said you can't trust your senses um and then you have like zeno's paradox zeno came along and tried to use paradox uh paradoxes to explain parmenides ideas of these things parmenides was more of there's this one thing that's always in constant change constant flux um but yeah, I don't know. I, I think of things like that. And I think some of these early philosophers and uh, metaphysicians and different people that they had these ideas that they're so long ago, but even like Democritus, who came up with the idea of the atom or perceived the idea of the atom, conceived, I guess is a better word. Uh, we still use that idea, even though our definition of it might be different because we found smaller and smaller particles and now there's subatomic particles and things like that we still hold on to that idea. So I think that there is some truth um, to some of these things. And we know these guys were participating uh, in the Eleusinian mysteries. And we know that there was some sort of psychedelic component, you know, associated with that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those guys were peeking behind the veil. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that, I mean, if you're having those type of experiences, I I imagine that hard for that to not inform your worldview or how you conceive reality and to get you thinking. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, but to your point about the allegory of the cave, I mean, it makes sense too that that Plutonian at Eleusis, that cave, could have been the inspiration for Plato's cave. He could have had that experience and gone to that cave and that yeah. could have been the, you know, the cave that inspired him or something along those lines i'm not saying that that that's is the case, interesting but... yeah i never actually made that yeah made that connection before thought of the cave but that's 
Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so you had a major paradigm shift with that experience. Um, so I guess my question to you would be: Why not? Why not? Why are you not more interested in that compound now going forward? Because you said you're more interested in like psilocybin and what it can do. Is it just because it's more? Um, you can work with it more. It just seems like you can more facilitate it seems like dmt is just blast off like you're obviously not able to like do work on yourself or something like that yeah yeah pretty much i mean um with the dmt i guess i wouldn't actually say so much it was a, a paradigm shift for myself it was more of a like uh i was already kind of quite open to ideas from my earlier psychedelic experiences so it didn't really make me consider well it kind of did it kind of showed me things i hadn't seen before but it didn't make me think like oh okay the it didn't open up my mind to more possibilities i was already very open at that time um but yeah i generally i also that i didn't really know what to do with it i remember coming out of the experience and thinking like what like what did i just experience it wasn't like it was like whoa what was that if anything i came out with like more questions and i thought i didn't really have an understanding i didn't couldn't grasp it really in any way it was so far removed from anything else a lot of it didn't really seem relatable and as you as you put it kind of working with it i i unless you're uh it's like pure pure exploration which i do think actually is valid and i'm quite excited to hear about um these dmt uh, experiments and extended state things that people are, are trying to do to like figure out what's going on there i i think that's an amazing field of inquiry sure. uh, but for myself personally like um i yeah i i with like psilocybin i'm able to work with it It always gives me insights about my personal life and my relationships with other people and um or where i want to go like in my story and with my life and what like where my heart wants to go where i where where i want to be headed and the kind of yeah the kind of experience i want to have in life um so yeah whereas dmt is kind of just like being zapped through a wormhole into like a parallel dimension as you mentioned though, there, there is probably some benefit to that like if you're super depressed and don't think there's more to life mm-hmm. or you just feel like hopeless i could see that being beneficial or even maybe even somebody that's like a narcissist that um thinks that they're you know the best or the top thing and mm-hmm. they have that experience and it kind of brings them down like whoa what was that i thought i knew what was going on here and uh, so I could definitely see those things happening. But as you mentioned, I think if you're going to do work with it, it sounds like obviously people that do the ayahuasca ceremonies and go to South America or they do their own ceremonies, it seems to be a a more beneficial, you know, uh, experience because it's longer. You can, you know, it's not as intense and you can kind of work through it that way. So it seems like that's obviously uh, the key there with that compound if you're looking to do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, yeah, that's a good point you make, but I think could definitely be useful. And I'm sure there's 
a useful application of it for many people um yeah like you say if someone thinks they know everything if you put them into that space for a bit i think they're gonna come back i thought i would find it very hard to believe that they can come back and tell you that they still know everything um so it can be also be quite humbling and like but that yeah that could also be a risk i think um in terms of destabilizing i mean i was okay when i came back but i was also a bit like whoa i was like like whoa like what was that like (laughs) (laughs) i mean anything whether it's yeah cannabis to dmt i mean if you're you got to know your own mind if you are on the edge of some sort of psychotic break or you have a family history of you know borderline schizophrenia or something like that you should definitely see a physician before you start dabbling with psychoactive compounds Um, because while they might help some people that are already in those zones like me who has like you know severe ocd or something like that um you don't want to like it you know you don't want to kick something off either that's not there i know um it's kind of taboo to talk about but even somebody like hamilton morris who's got a lot of experience a lot of knowledge talks about his one good friend who did some sort of psilocybin uh, psilocin derivative and uh kind of never came back from his trip and it's, it's you know it's one of those sad stories it's rare but it does happen so it's know yourself or know thyself know your mind uh aware of your family history and yeah i mean i think those are important things to point out yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah and also if going going into it having some kind of support um available or doing that there's someone that you will be able to speak to i think can make a huge difference uh, even if you've just got a good friend that you're able to share your experience with and not have to kind of deal with it all on your own that can go a really long way i think right. for sure i think even mm. doing this is helpful too i mean we get emails we get very nice mm. emails from people thank you for talking about this i identify with a lot of you know the stuff you're saying uh, so I think you just more of these conversations and now it's a little bit more accepted and, uh, yeah, there is some pushback on some platforms and stuff like that. But for the most part, uh, you do see more people speaking about, about their personal experiences. And I think that that's pushing this along a little bit further, like, Hey, this is helpful. And, you know, especially when you have credible people talking about it too, it's not just, mm-hmm. you know, the underground anymore. It's not just the indigenous communities it's not just the clandestine chemists it's not just you know the weekend psychedelic users or the heads or anything like it's now you have scientists and psychologists and psychiatrists you know all these different people talking about this and i think they realize um this hole that's been there for a while and why people aren't we have this mental health problem and i don't know anybody that doesn't have some form of mental health issues to be honest with you i don't know if you feel the same way but I think we all have something, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, totally. to have totally. more tools in the tool bag at this point, I think, is is key. So, Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, what you say about psychologists, that's absolutely bringing credibility to it. And that allows people to kind of be more open to it and trusting of it and um, or of, of psychedelics as a valid tool and... And um, I also yeah, want to be these... clear too. I do. I hold the indigenous communities, the clandestine chemists, you know, the Grateful Deadheads and the fish. You know, all these people that were keeping 
this thing alive and people just into the psychedelic culture before, you know, while it was still, you know, mm-hmm. illegal and while all this, you know, since the 70s and the war on drugs and everything, I do think that um, we owe a lot of credit and respect to those people because if that didn't continue to happen, we wouldn't probably be having this conversation. So um, I think but, that that's very important to talk about as well. But I, I just meant in terms of the psychiatrist, the psych, you know, a psychologist bringing credibility, that's to the people that have no... They, you know, right. th- those are the people you need to convince to make this more widely accepted. It's not the people that are already into it. They already know what this is about, you know? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up actually about the, the clandestine chemists and the underground people, because like you say, they've kind of been keeping it going and, and a lot of learnings from that also informs research like you said. I mean, these people who have been working underground, they've been like learning about how to use psychedelics and that's informing the larger conversation. And there's also, that's a huge part of like the origin story of the psychedelic movement. And I really hope now, even now there's more research and more science that those kind of aren't forgotten or they are, are, are kind of discredited now because I don't know that to me doesn't that doesn't seem right somehow that like oh okay well now it's like a, an official medicine <laughs> right like the, that other stuff that's a load of rubbish it's like well no they, they were like carrying the torch and they were like exploring and um yeah I think it's important to acknowledge that yeah and we'll see how it goes I mean the from the people I've talked to on both sides of that whole thing whether they're the academics researching it or they're the you know, just the the fun time people that just want to have fun with it, or even just people that are using it to to um, heal themselves on their own. Uh, it seems like all those people aren't necessarily worried about where they're going to fit in with the space, which I find is kind of interesting because you do see some articles coming out about panic, like, oh, they're trying to patent this or trying to patent that, and then you have the other side where it's like, uh, you know, will the these other communities survive this whole transition? And, you you know, there's a lot of stuff like that out there. But when you actually talk to the people like we have, uh, those people don't seem to be con- too concerned. They think everybody will be able to um, uh, cohabitate this whole, mm-hmm. you know, or just kind of work together or just all have their own spaces within the community. I would assume it's probably similar to like how cannabis is in some ways. But uh uh-huh even though cannabis isn't really um, fully there yet on the whole, um, you know, even th- even that still has some mm-hmm. ways to go. But you know what I'm saying in terms of sure. how far that's come and where we are now. And there's, you know, there's a bunch of states where it's like recreationally legal now and not just medicinally. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And how are I these guess... things still in Europe? I was going to ask you, but sorry to cut you off, but I was going to ask you how... Are these things still viewed in, in Europe? Is it, are they still taboo? Is there still a lot of pushback or does it seem to be coming around? Cause you have like Imperial college yeah. uh, and you have all these like scientists doing work, but what do the actual communities in these different countries have to say about this? Stuff? It's, it's definitely coming around. I know that much. It's definitely coming around. I mean, I'm surprisingly so, I mean, I, I, used to be quite scared about speaking about psychedelics so i would hold a lot of it back um and since kind of being more engaged and especially over the last few years then when people ask me i I kind of just started being honest and being open about it and i was 
surprised in the last couple of years that uh, also just at people's responses who are, who are not in the field or nothing to do with it and being surprised by how open they were to it and um i was kind of almost bracing myself for levels of judgment um that i'd experienced uh many years before um and now it seems like there's a much a much wider acceptance and it really seems i mean there's this yeah it's really we're really moving fast now now there's so much in the media and i mean like uh yeah even like the people in in my family that i i was like previously kind of worried about but there seems to be a great acceptance uh, mm. um yeah, but that, i mean now. sorry oh i said a lot of people have what uh more open minds now so it's right changing yeah we'll see how long it takes but one thing at a time here i think it's always dogma that gets in the way whether it's religious dogma or political dogma Mm -hmm. or whatever it is it's just the dogma of the day and people wanting Mm -hmm. to kind of just tell other people you can't do this or you can't do that when really it's like these are natural compounds and some of them even are found within our own bodies you know like uh dmt for instance found in our bodies you know this is a mm-hmm. compound we produce within ourselves uh you know we have cannabinoid receptors you know like we mm-hmm. have opioid you know, like we have all these different receptors for a reason we've evolved with these plants and these uh fungi and i think it's just crazy that we have to kind of get ourselves out of the hole that we've dug you know and, and kind of uh bring all this stuff back into the light and it would make sense that these things would be helpful given if we have evolved with them too. I don't know why more people don't point to that. I mean, some people point to that, but I don't know why more people don't point to the fact that uh, these are naturally, fine. Uh, you know, these are found in nature and we've evolved with them. So why wouldn't there be some that have some sort of effect on us in a positive way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it makes total sense. I mean... Yeah, but I mean, that's also the tricky thing with dogma. If if you have someone who's very dogmatic, it becomes irrational that you can, <laughs> you can't kind of reason with them. It's there's a kind of a fixed mm. idea or a fixed notion in someone's mind, and you can come with a, a perfectly reasonable argument and say like, "Hey, you know, this stuff's occurring in like." in our bodies your body's producing it in fact right. and like there's cannabinoid receptors um depending on how tight that dogma is and of course we all have like we all have our our spots where we're blind or sure maybe holding on to things but um yeah it's it's hard to to reason with on a rational level when there's such a such a a, a fixed point i think also that's like also kind of a talking about psychedelics that's something i've tried to learn more about or maybe not try to but just have through thing like how to not uh or how to like allow people to be open to that and also kind of like grading the conversation depending like on the other person like meeting them where they're at or finding some kind of common ground or some way that they can relate to it because different things will relate to different people and um so like trying to find like a common ground with the person you're speaking to and also not just not being too well dogmatic ourselves you know and being like well psychedelics are amazing like you need to hear this or or like Mm -hmm. trying to trying to um, 
yeah not be just trying to put it out there and, and be gentle and allow people to receive it um the reason why i brought up the dogma thing too is because it seems like religion's kind of falling off just a little bit in terms of you know you have people starting to question things a little bit more you have people more interested in like ufos and uap and just metaphysical things that are not necessarily a bearded zeus looking guy in the sky right like it's uh you're getting to the point now where people are searching for more in the universe and i think that this is like a direct connection that anybody can use to tap into where you know things like meditation take practice take time take patience you know i know a lot of people that i try to have tried to get to meditate like it just doesn't work for me but i know i used to say that myself and now i love to meditate and i can get into those deep states and i i think that uh, it's almost like you have to have to want to do it yourself you can't just really get other people into it. you you know it's like anything else you have to just um you have to have the interest yourself, which I don't know how you get, you know, a lot of people on board with this, especially if they're opposed to the idea. But uh, again, I think it should just be another tool. And if people find it cool and if they don't, they don't. But uh, yeah, like I said, I think people are searching for more and we are kind of in some weird transitional phase within um, the idea of metaphysics and metaphysical things and things like that. So you know what is it is it going to be alien of the gaps is it going to be psychedelics of the gaps is you know what's the mm-hmm. next thing that we're going to figure out that everybody's going to latch on to so yeah yeah that's a that's a good question like what it what is going to fill in the gap because i i totally think you're right i think there is a big gap and there's a lot of there's a or it's, has it's been i've heard the phrase the crisis of meaning um that mm. a lot of us are experiencing and when we look around in the world, there's a lot of stuff which doesn't really have any real substance behind it, or it's it's very superficial um, in our culture. And if you poke a layer deeper, there's not really that much there. And so collectively, I think a lot of us in the modern world are like searching for something and we're looking for something and we're looking for meaning and yeah, like you say, with this with this gap of religion, we're kind of at this stage now where we're almost like, yeah, there's this there's this huge hole. Like atheism is on the rise, and like traditional religion has been on the decline. And um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's also interesting to see some people. I don't actually know how representative it is of the wider population, but I've seen some people going back to traditional religions um after having brushed them off before and i guess that's maybe because we're like uh, i believe that we're like spiritual beings and if there is nothing there that it's just a vacuum then we're gonna seek a way or seek something to to find meaning in our lives and to connect to something larger well i just sent michael an article it says that uh now scientists are saying that the universe may have never started it's always been there so i, I don't know what that means but really these, these guys are changing their minds every day yeah well, <laughs> I mean, it, it could be like the tor the taurus you know which is like a giant donut looking thing um and it would be just cyclical like it's just never ending never beginning it's just a cyclical thing that keeps occurring or is always occurring um mm. that you know that's not a old that's not a new idea either there's also like the big balance where everything 
expands, 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 and it gets to a point, everything explodes, and then contracts back into that singular point, and then the Big Bang happens again, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's those ideas, but I mean, I, this is something I've really been talking about a lot, and I'm going to keep on harping on it until we figure out what's going on here. But I asked Maurice and other people, where are these gods? You know, like we are these spiritual beings, we are these religious beings, and you mentioned people going back to these religions. Um, where are these gods? And I think that maybe psychedelics, you know, could shed some light on that. I mean, a thing that I've been talking about for a while now is psychedelics might be at the basis of all the idea of all metaphysics going back to like even prehistoric times, maybe like maybe somebody had an experience and even that's where maybe superstition came from in some sort of way, right? Like just thinking about the self and then it's your relationship to your surroundings and, uh, something like that, but uh, the idea that there's something more um, had to have started somewhere, right? So, but where where are these gods? And I think that you can't look at day to day consciousness and tell me you've experienced these gods or a god. I mean, you might think that you have. There might not be something there, but maybe something happened, and even that's kind of superstitious, right? Uh, but where are these? crazy depictions and these accurate or these intricate depictions and these descriptive depictions of these gods. Like how were these, were they, were they physical beings that were just deified through maybe they offered something to society that was just so great. Uh, but again, I offer the hypothesis that maybe all the gods, uh, come from psychedelic rituals. We know most parts of the world do have some sort of psychedelic ritual or have at some point, uh, you also have altered states of consciousness. You know, people have fasted, people have meditated, mm-hmm. people have uh, had lucid dreams and sleep paralysis and all these different things. Uh, so I guess that that's what I'm trying to say is like, where are these gods? And I think that maybe some of these altered states and the, the search right now of what we're looking for is this almost like us trying to rediscover what might have already been there, except maybe it's like an updated version of it. So maybe the next level is okay, those people thought it was this or that or this God or that God or whatever, but maybe there's something deeper than that. Maybe these are just archetypes of the same thing, you know, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. This is great. We're getting deep here. I like, yeah. I like well, That's what we show. do. We go deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean... Yeah, I mean, also you mentioned like imagination, like if God's coming from psychedelics and even if they didn't explicitly come from psychedelics and they came from imagination, which maybe some people argue, then you would ask, well, where does imagination come from? And Mm. Hancock and McKenna, of course, have talked about the psychedelics being a catalyst in our evolution as a species to be able to... uh, in terms of imagination and in terms of what we see and how we conceive and maybe early influences on art and maybe creativity so uh to me it it makes total sense like that they come from the i mean when we take psychedelics the the experiences they provide that makes total sense to me that that would trigger a shift i I just i guess that's the where other in day-to-day consciousness how how else can you experience these things i guess is my question like they had to have come from somewhere and if you're saying people made it up that could be the case i we did a trip report episode like a year and a half ago 
where I did like, uh, you know, I think like four grams or something. I'd have to look back, but, and I sat in darkness and I was told that the psychedelic realm is the realm of pure imagination. Some, some, some sort of thing or it wasn't like an entity. I didn't see anything, but just some other presence told me that that's what the psychedelic realm is, is the realm of pure imagination. So again, I mean, that kind of correlates to what you're saying. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, where does, where does that come from? But that's also a good question. Like, well, where, where else is it coming from? Like in the day to day, like normal yeah. waking consciousness, people aren't experiencing gods. Although I don't know. Yeah. There's maybe if there's maybe a few, these natural mystics, you know, I don't know if they were always take like William Blake or, you know, these people that seem to somehow have some kind of uh, connection or more open to be, to be having these kind of expansive states or mystical experiences. They are, they are yeah, I mean, rather. I, I'm all, but I've had a, a day-to-day consciousness mystical experience, but it was more like a yeah. really crazy synchronicity that almost is undeniable. It wasn't like mm-hmm. I saw a being, you know, come down or, you know, I experienced some sort of being in front of me or something like that. It was more of just a, a real life, crazy synchronistic experience that played out. But what you're mentioning, like a mystical experience. Yeah. I think that that's kind of similar to what I had. I had a mystical experience. I call it synchronicity. It's mystic. It's same, same thing to me. Uh, but if you're saying like somebody that's like psychic or whatever, I'm not opposed to the idea that maybe our brains or our minds are capable of more than we think they are. However, I have found, um, most of those people that either they're like, Oh, I'll communicate with your dead loved ones for you. Like they're always telling them things like, Oh, I see an orange. And they're like, my dad loved orange juice. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, like stuff like that. It's like, <laughs> tell me, tell, tell them something that they would have. And I know that there's some people that'll like, be like, Oh, I was told this. Yeah. Something that's undeniable right. that they would never. And then th- those people will say, well, that's not how it works. So that's convenient. I would mm. say. And I, again, I am open to the possibility that people have, uh, can tune into things or maybe are more, uh, aligned in some way than others or things like that. And we've talked about mystics, you know, for, uh, Rudolf Steiner and Edgar Casey. you know, we've mm-hmm. talked about all these people on the show a long time ago. Uh, and we've looked into all that stuff and I'm not saying that there's nothing to it. I'm just saying, um, I find a lot of this modern day stuff. There's that many of those people, but then they're still, you know, charging tons of money and they're not mm-hmm. using it to some sort of advantage, like in their own life. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't, Right, know. yeah. It could be the case also that, like, I guess like in a lot of fields that there's always going to be some fakers or some scammers. And, well, um, I was trying to be I, generous, but yeah, that <laughs> that is definitely um, the case. And I, I don't want to say everybody's like that because, I, I, again, I do feel like there is some possibilities out there. I just, for the mm-hmm. most part, I haven't seen anything really all too convincing. Maybe one or two people per, you know, century might come around where it's like whoa what were what were they up to you know mm-hmm. so yeah it's very yeah. F- few between yeah well i guess that's a, if you are if you if you were looking to 
scam someone or fake something, that's the field to go for. Because <laughs> you know it's what I mean? Sad. I mean, but they're preying on like people that are like emotionally uh they're looking to connect with their lost loved ones or whatever and i think that honorable yeah yeah i think that even so this is where psychedelics could even come into play with that it's coming to grips with that and maybe giving you a peace of mind that maybe there is more but that's not the point of what's going on here you need to live your life and move on with this Mm -hmm. because maybe that's the point you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely um I'm curious, you mentioned also about your synchronicity. I don't know if this is a bit of a digression, but um, be really curious at, but like, to hear what you guys think about synchronicities or this, for example, this synchronous experience that you had. Did it come at a specific time in your life? It's just something I've kind of been getting interested in recently. Like, what 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 are they? What do they mean? Like, um, and when do they come yeah. around? Is there like... Um, okay, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can, I can lay it all out there and I can summarize it. It's something we've discussed on the podcast in the, in, you know, in the past, I think on a few episodes. Um, so about four years ago when we were starting this podcast, uh, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and I kind of went through like a spiritual awakening. And to that point, I was just kind of going through day-to-day consciousness, just interested in like sports and stupid TV shows and playing video games and stupid stuff like that, that just mindlessly going about my life. Not that those things aren't fun, but you know what I'm saying? There was no meaning in that to me. It was just a day-to-day consciousness thing just to drown out or drone on or whatever. But, uh, so, you know, my mom, uh, was diagnosed, she calls me. And then, so the next time we came into town to visit her, uh, at the time, my wife were from the same area. She was at her mom's house in that area, and I was going to pick her up for, for dinner to bring her back to my mom's house. Um, and on the way there was a route that I took probably, I don't know, thousands and thousands of times growing up in that area. Uh, so driving that street, I, um, I started to pray. I mean, I was raised Catholic. I didn't really feel any connection to any sort of metaphysical thing or God or church or anything. I just went, you know, growing up, it was more of like a, a moral, um, you know, base type thing to have, you know, it made me, I think a little bit better of a person in some ways. Uh, but I never really felt anything like, Oh, you know, there's more to life from this kind of a thing. So I started to pray, which I hadn't done in years driving. And, uh, I started praying to our grandfather, my mom's dad, who's deceased. Um, and he's another part of the inspiration of us kind of getting into all this esoteric and weird stuff. Even though he was deceased, he was into like ancient Egypt and he was an inventor and he was just, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, so anyways, praying to him, praying to God, you know, not saying like cure her or anything like that. Uh, just please give me the strength, give her the strength, you know, give us the strength to deal with this. And, uh, and then I'm like, Jesus, please, you know, give my mom the strength to deal with this. Uh, and literally I'm not joking. As I said, Jesus, give my mom the strength to deal with this. This guy, this old guy, he's probably 70, 80 years old on this, this, uh, bike turns the corner and on the front of his bike, he had a sign that says, Jesus loves you. And I literally got like all these chills you know, run down my body. Now, could it have been a coincidence that that happened? Yeah, but I asked a ton of people who live in that area because I grew up there. Like, have you ever seen this guy? Nobody's ever seen that guy. 
nobody knows this guy. With, <laughs> nobody knows the guy with the sign. You know, he was just this older, uh, you know, kind of guy that just looked like he was just you know some rugged old guy on a bike with a sign that said Jesus loves you. And I just got the chills, and uh, that kind of shifted my whole paradigm. And from there, I got on all sorts of spiritual and esoteric texts, and we went down a bunch of these different paths and looked into all the old ancient stuff and is there any wisdom here and I was just searching for myself at that point and maybe there's more to life and obviously when you're faced with death of you know somebody in your family you start to look at those things and it was like a wake-up call slash spiritual experience and uh, I don't know how to explain it Um, again uh, I'm not really a religious person I would consider myself spiritual if anything like personally spiritual I don't have like a a God that I pray to or anything like that. But I do think there is purpose or, uh, you know, telos out there. You just have to, uh, you just have to take your path in life and, and try and figure what that is out, you know, what that is for you. And for me, it's been doing this podcast and talking to different people and, uh, we've learned a lot. So I would say that that's probably the biggest catalyst for all this for me. Um, and I mean, having a background with, psychedelics and stuff and having an open mind and stuff. I think that that probably also led to all this, but, uh, yeah, I just found it was weird when, you know, I hadn't prayed in years and the one time I prayed, I had that experience. So I don't know. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's an amazing story. Thanks for sharing. And that's, it's kind of cool how it ties into you like finding your path and doing this show and, um, yeah yeah and that's it it's interesting you say also like yeah you say like it could have been a coincidence that's always the thing with synchronicities though isn't it that's there's always that kind of plausible deniability um that's like that like yeah it could it could be a coincidence or it like right it could just work out like that but well people that listen uh, to our show too i think it's weird because i'm not like a religious person so when i tell that story it almost sounds like i'm a religious person but i'm not mm-hmm. at all like i'm very skeptical of most religions in that sense like look at the origins look at how you know where did all the texts come from you know even look at like the jesus story it started you know paul started writing about jesus like 40 years after he was dead like a lot of these most people that are into religion don't even understand the origins or like where things came from, you know? So I looked at all that stuff and again, I'm not a religious person. I'm just a spiritual person. And, uh, even Maurice would say I'm a lot more skeptical than he is currently. Uh, but I like to think that there are these moments in life that can give you that paradigm shift and, and push you on a different path or maybe in a a direction that, um, might open your mind up a little bit more and, I asked you before, where are these gods? And I prayed to God and I, you know, we've discussed the difference between praying and meditating. Praying's more of like a, um, you know, a one way thing or like a, uh, an asking for something kind of a thing where meditating is kind of like a, a two way street or like a, a commune communion type of thing happening. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know. Uh, even looking back on it, even though I'm more skeptical as the years go on, I still can't really explain it or, um, but I knew I was at kind of a desperate place in my mind at the time. And it was just, I don't know, again, (laughs) hard to explain. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, well, a lot of those, 
I mean, some of the most meaningful experiences that we can have are very hard to explain why, because there's also a very personal element and it can be very hard to kind of bring that out and explain it to someone else who didn't have that experience, um, which, yeah, can which is understandable why people are skeptical because if, if they didn't go through that and didn't have that um, experience which was so meaningful to them, then it's easy to kind of be, it's easy to kind of, uh, yeah, to not really, uh, for it to resonate with you and for you to connect with that. Um, so, yeah, but I also, I think having a, a level of skepticism is healthy absolutely and to to test yeah, I, mean, ideas. I would point out i'm mean, even if, if that would have happened 10 minutes later i might not have even mm-hmm. really thought about it as much it was literally as i was kind of praying as i was driving you just kind of like you know sometimes when you drive mm-hmm. and you don't even this sounds bad and it's not really the case normally but when you're driving and you don't really realize that you were driving you know what i'm saying like you just kind of zone out for a second even though you're looking at the road everything's good it's just like mm-hmm. you know the everything kind of goes by there and you're just kind of zoned out with in your own head kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those like weird, I, I, again, I can't really explain it and I would like to, again, my mind is always about trying to figure things out, get to the root of things. How did this happen? How did that happen? What, what's the basis of this? And mm-hmm. I just don't have an answer for that one, unfortunately. Yeah. I think, uh, that, I think that's natural. Uh, to have uh, this kind of inclination to understand things and to make sense of things. Uh, but also, I think it's also something I've been trying to do more, more recently is to really um, lean into trust a little bit more and to maybe to quieten or maybe not quieten, but um, to not be so needy with knowing or to not be mm. so needy with kind of like, like okay well this like this happened because of this and this is this explanation because right uh, some things i think like i don't know if we're ever going to be able to be able to fully understand everything it's almost like you can always go a level deeper and you can always you can always go into a deeper level and um yeah i think that also sometimes that these kind of things can be an invitation to to trust really and to to just allow and to be like, okay, well, this happened, and I know this. Ha- I know this was significant for me, and this this helped me, or this was a this was a meaningful experience, and that's all it needs to be. Um, mm. But then, on the other hand, it's also that's what I love about being human. I love our urge to discover and to explore and to understand, and that's also a driving force for advances in understanding and technology so it's it's also it's also both it's also something i like right Um, but i guess like finding a healthy balance as with many things is is key yeah absolutely I, i would also point out in that moment uh i felt like i got god for like a minute like i understood but then not again in the sense that there's this being coming down or there's this entity in the sky or in a different dimension or anything like that. I felt like it was more of like just the universe is one. So if you thought you think of it like Vedanta or 
you know, everything is one or some sort of panpsychism or pantheism or something like that, where like everything is this one thing. And it's, it was reaching out to me in that moment of need. It was using all these tentacles and, you know, uh, vibrations and different things and just saying, here it is, here's your, your message or your call. And, uh, you know, you can take it from there kind of a thing. So. Mm-hmm. Did it, yeah. Did it feel like a gift? It did. It felt like a gift. And then the weird thing is me and my godfather both had dreams of my mom having like looking a little bit older with like gray hair. And now my mom's okay now four years later and she's cancer free and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, we we both had some dreams uh, after I had that experience leading up to it. And I don't really talk about that stuff much. I like I try not to put too much woo stuff out there on our podcast because (laughs) I just I I don't know what it means to me yet but I guess something like that in context kind of makes sense but uh, I mean what is that even is that me wanting to to believe that that's gonna is what's gonna happen but I found the interesting thing about the whole experience is my mom handled it like a champ and she didn't feel bad for herself she had a positive attitude she did what she had to do and she's still here and happy and has a bunch of grandkids to play with. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, sometimes these, these things come along and yeah, they, they give us just what, just what we need. And I, I don't know. Yeah. Also like that feeling you mentioned about it, uh, like being all is one. And, uh, yeah, I didn't feel like I was yeah. anthropomorphizing God or like, uh, you know, creating like a God head type thing. It felt like maybe just we, we, and this is going to sound cliche, but like we're all God or everything is God. And like I said, everything was kind of coming together to show me just for a second, like, here's, there is more, here's the slice of it back to normal, you know, reality after that, and you figure it out, but here's a taste of it to send you on your way, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you got you got what you needed, I guess. Um, yeah, and it's still stuck yeah. with me. I mean, I still think about it. It's the whole thing, the way it went down, is kind of burned into my head, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's that's powerful. How about you? Anything, anything synchronistic on your end? Or I mean, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but just anything that you can think of that you've had an experience like that where you just couldn't explain and it just kind of left you wondering like what's going on here. Mm, not really, not, not really any, uh, like moments like, like you or maybe, uh, kind of passages or like, maybe like chapters in my life where maybe there'll be like a a series of weeks or something when it feels like things are more in alignment and then I just start seeing synchronicities around the place or like some little things will come up and it's like also yeah you know that thing of like when that's the thing they can't they can always be explained of whether that's just a coincidence or the kind of the thing of the bias of like well you're looking out for those things so you're right. seeing them and of course and so that's the thing like i'm i can't i'm not going to claim that like this is verifiable truth and I, i'm not going to claim that like 
no, this is like, that could well be the case. All I can talk about is how it feels for me and what I go through. And that is when I'm experiencing those things, it's like, no, nah, come on, this is not a coincidence. <laughs> like, this is, this is too, this is too much. Like, or something, you know, and it's like, oh, like, yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, this and, um, right. Yeah, so they're they're normally they're normally they're normally smaller ones, and those are often not always, but I do find often uh, come around psychedelic experiences. Um, mm. Sometimes leading up to one, if I've got like a, a one planned and the dates in the calendar, and I'm I, I'm kind of in that process of kind of preparing and building up to it, and then it's sort of I start seeing meaning and messages more around, um, and often also afterwards, and when I've kind of had this recentering uh, effect, then I start make there's, there's all these extra connections, and that might be all it is also like being able to make more connections between things, um, but still that affects my experience of life, and I find it to be life to be more infused with meaning and it's almost like i'm being it, it it feels like i'm being guided or being helped in some way which is is really nice um mm. so yeah it's not normally uh, not uh, so many things but yeah there's normally passages and that really also feels like they always seem to come about when i'm more in alignment and I, I can't remember who it was. I heard someone saying that I feel like synchronicities is like the universe winking at you mm. and just kind of being like, you're on the right path or just like, you're where you need to be or like, you know, like, yeah. And uh, I, I like that interpretation. I like that interpretation. And it makes sense to me from my experience, from, from when I've experienced them, that also fits. Yeah, I think, I don't know who, what fly, oh, I think it was uh Leibniz tried to explain it through some sort of like philosophical um mind experiment or like some sort of philosophical take on it I forget I'd have to go back and look at it but he had kind of an interesting take on it it's almost like two trains going down different tracks and then the trains somehow cross paths at one point or something like that I think I'd have to go back and look but it was it's kind of an interesting take like that not that there's not more to it but just that might be what's happening the mechanics behind it or something mm-hmm. that sounds familiar actually that that's um yeah that rings a bell what about you maurice you've been uh you've been quiet on the synchronicity let maurice speak <laughs> uh, yeah i haven't really I, I don't know about i think the synchronicity kind of stuff is uh it's just like if you're in a good state or you know, if you're on the right path and you'll see like the numbers things, you'll see 1111 or whatever, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, I've had dreams coinciding with, uh, you know, friends passing away and stuff like that. So I don't know if that's a coincidence. Oh. I don't know. Again, it's when you have them, it's super real to you. And then, mm-hmm. um, as time goes on, you kind of look back and you kind of diminish the power that you've kind of went through. So, it's yeah, uh totally. it's a give and take type thing like that, that, that after Michael had his I'm sure it felt a lot more real and then now when he's looking back he, 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 he you you kind of come up with your own uh hypothesis of what you saw and the reasoning behind that but when when the stuff goes on you know it feels more real than real kind of deal but yeah mm-hmm. I've had uh 
I've had numerous um, dream things that uh, kind of key me into that there's little there's more out there and people kind of communicating from the other side. Again, is it just because they're on my mind that I'm taking it into my my mm-hmm. my sleep, or is it them, you know? working in a different uh dimension type of type of thing and and we will probably will never know that but you know people people can claim and, and say that they know what dreams are and who knows i don't think we still kind of understand that but mm-hmm. but it's fun to to talk about absolutely to think about absolutely. And to, yeah to explore yeah yeah um yeah i i think uh young has some interesting books on obviously dreams and dream analysis and uh i think i've talked about this before about the guy who who's a mountain climber and he'd go up to the alps and he had like a close call with death by himself and he goes talks to young and young's like me you know and then he's had these dreams that he dies up on the mountain alone or whatever and Young's like me, well, maybe you shouldn't be going up there alone, you know? And uh, so the guy starts going up with other people and other people, and then the next time he goes up alone, he gets trapped up there and and dies. So, um, you know, you wonder how much uh, meaning there is to these things and how much of it is just maybe you're embedding into your own psyche or setting yourself Mm -hmm. up for that. You know, it's it's hard to tell. Yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It it could well be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um Yeah, so let's uh let's wrap it up here. Do you want to do a short Patreon segment? Um sh- sh- uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what what is what would that entail? It's just us doing the same thing. It's just for our paid members. Patreon's ah, like okay. an extra like uh thing that's our paying uh listeners get oh. for two dollars a month they'll get some like exclusive content. So Sure. That sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. Usually do like fifteen minutes or so. So Okay, cool. That sounds good. All right. So uh if everybody's if anybody's interested, you can check out uh um John has his seminar going, starts November 1st. You can go to mapsofthemind.com. Uh he is also on Twitter. You can find him on there. Um and yeah, I look forward to checking out uh you know some of your seminar. I know we were in contact. I got a lot of stuff going on, but maybe sometime in the future I can participate in the next one or uh something along those mm-hmm. lines, but uh yeah. Obviously, I looked at it, and there's a lot of uh, interesting topics, and like I said, lots of branch offs and everything. So, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, it's definitely, uh, I think, a good thing to check out for sure. So, head on over to mapsofthemind.com and sign up for that. Also, if you are interested, we are about to start a Patreon. So, go to patreon.com/slash podcast for just two dollars a month. You'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Again, if you like the psychedelic stuff, we've got tons of psychedelic episodes on there. So it's definitely worth the $2 a month. You know, Rick Strassman and uh, you can even Matthew Clark. I mean, you can go through the list of if somebody's written a book or uh, is somebody that has something interesting to say on these topics. We've probably interviewed them and they're probably in there. So go check that out. Uh, also, if you are interested, head on over to injuresweb.org. This is a social media platform we created to connect open minds. So if you want to hypothesize, theorize, speculate, whatever it is, go set up a profile. We are still trying to work on getting that in the app store. 
Uh, also, if you're interested to in winning this Mind Escape t-shirt, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Take a screenshot of it and then email it to app or uh, Mind Escape Podcast at gmail.com. That'll enter you to win. We have a few submissions. Uh, we will pick a winner at the end of the month. Um, so, yeah. And uh, if anybody's interested, again, we have our merch store set up. Uh, you can go to mindescapepodcast.com and click the merch tab, or you can just go to the link down below uh, this video or this uh, podcast. And uh, yeah, and uh, lots of great stuff on there. Lots of good designs. Get yourself a let more, hashtag let more speak t-shirt. They're, fl- they're flying off the shelves, folks. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time, John, and uh, look forward to seeing what you do next. And we'll have you back on again for sure sometime in the future. So, Cool. Thank you for having me on. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you both. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Well, everybody stay safe out there. We love you, and we will catch you next time. Peace. Peace. See ya.